You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome into the Utopia Football Podcast. We are episode four of the uh, of the podcast. We'll start doing the episodes by week uh, once the season rolls around, as opposed to by uh, by number here. But we're still in the infancy stages of the Utopia Football Podcast. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast in mornings on Sports Radio six ten six to ten a.m. Joining me as always is the Hall of Famer, the General, my good friend. John McLean. John, how are you doing? You ready for a little preseason football on Saturday? I am, and I'll say that's John McLean from Sports Radio 610 and Sports Radio 610.com. That's right. Now, that's right. I'm ready for football. Anything's better than watching the players every day in practice go against each other. Yes. And it's and, and not to sound like pampered media members, but it's significantly cooler inside NRG Stadium than it is over at the Methodist <laughs> Training Center as well. <laughs> I don't mind the heat. I've been doing this so long and spending my whole life in Texas. It doesn't bother me. But the best thing, Sean, about the first preseason game, it puts you one game closer to the start of regular season. Texans, of course, play the Colts and uh, new quarterback Matt Ryan. So let's get that first preseason game out of the way. And then the second, the third, start watching them play real football. Yeah, but you and I are going to go into the things that we're going to be looking for on Saturday in just a little bit. I should mention that as we record this, we're, we're recording this peek behind the curtain, everybody. We are recording this on Thursday afternoon. So I want to preface what we're about to talk about in by saying that because with the Deshaun Watson situation, we don't know when news could come down. So we give you this warning label that if you are indeed getting this podcast when it drops, typically drops uh, on Friday morning around 8 a.m., um, who knows? There may have been news that's come out since you and I talked. But, John, we'll go ahead and chop this topic up for a little bit because there's there's a good chance that this thing will still be sitting out there in the same form that it's in when this podcast drops on Friday morning. But the latest with Deshaun Watson is that he is going to start in the Browns preseason opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I think is interesting on a number of different levels. Let's start with just the very, very basic uh, football fandom level. I'm very curious to see what Deshaun Watson looks like after having not played competitive football. I know it's preseason, but they are opposing jerseys out there. I'm interested to see what he looks like in a, in a, in a somewhat normal football environment after being gone for a year and a half. Everybody is, especially the Browns fans, because they paid so dearly to get him. I saw somebody pointed out this week that if he gets suspended for the season, 
By the time he comes back and actually plays, the Texans will have used two of their first-round draft choices and a couple of more before he sets foot on the field in regular season game. But we're all eager to see, is he off target? Do they make it really easy for him? Does he run? Does he play one series or two? They have to get him playing time. But then they have to balance that with Jacoby Brazette playing time. And then there's talk, and we've talked about this before, report out of Cleveland that if if indeed he's done for the season or it's longer than six games, that the Browns would make a run for Jimmy Garoppolo, which makes sense. So uh, it's it's almost like watching a car wreck when you can't help, whether you slow down or not, you at least look over because that's what the Deshaun Watson situation has been, car wreck. Yeah, well, and uh, look, I'm just glad that the car ha- is has a – orange and brown coat of paint on it and not <laughs> deep steel blue and battle red like the car wreck last year is you know having spent plenty of time out of texans training camp i think there's a vibe out there that things have definitely moved forward and they're moving in the right direction uh, john as far as deshaun goes just the, the there i've been listening to a lot of cleveland radio lately and one of the theories that they were espousing when this announcement was made that he was going to be starting this game was it maybe it forces the hand a little bit of the nfl to to make a decision uh, 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 attorney former new jersey attorney general peter harvey is the one that is reviewing the appeal he's the one that's going to decide what the punishment is going to be we know that since you and i last talked on this podcast roger goodell has made some public comments at a meeting in minneapolis when they were approving the sale of the of the broncos about deshaun and the situation and he's basically confirmed that they're looking to suspend him banish him for a year um, from football uh, do you think that do you think that the potential of Deshaun seeing the field, even in a preseason game, is enough to expedite this process to where the uh, where Peter Harvey has some sort of decision by the time kickoff rolls around at six o'clock Eastern time on uh, on Friday? I don't know why it would. He's got all the evidence. I don't think he's going to be affected by what's going on outside. He's got to read all the evidence. You know, he'll do it a couple of times. You know, there's people that he'll consult and before he makes his final decision and everybody thinks he's going to do what Goodell wants done because he's making a lot of money off this. The NFL pays well. So if he were to uphold the six game suspensions, he wouldn't be involved in this in the future. And the fact that he helped formulate the personal conduct policy, and it's worded very strongly, and he's worked under on other cases like Ezekiel Elliott, everybody's expecting to do what Goodell wants. Goodell called it egregious and predatory behavior, which Sue Robinson had already said. So I think he's going to be gone for a year. And then the question is, does the union go to federal court and try to get it where he can play? Uh, I know Mike Florio has said he has to be suspended for the first six games, even if they sue in federal court, Hmm. because the union did not challenge, uh, did not appeal like the NFL did. And I don't understand all the legal jumbo, but it would make sense. Uh, I know some people in Cleveland are saying, that he should negotiate a settlement, see if they would give him 10 or 12 games, at least so he could play this season when they might still be in a playoff race and be around his teammates and learn what it's like to play with them. Sounds to me like his legal people should have done that, but they didn't. Yeah. All they wanted, they agreed to six and that was it. Yeah, John, you bring up an interesting point there. You were alluding to it, but I think it's worth mentioning uh, explicitly 
that there's a big difference between a one-year suspension and a 12-game suspension. And it's not just those five games. And it's not just five more games. One is a 12-game suspension, to your point, kind of if they can go six and six during those 12 games, which I think is doable with that roster and that schedule, then Deshaun comes back and he could be the Superman flying in for the last five games of the year to, to bail the season out. That's number one. But number two, the big difference I think people need to understand is that if it's a one-year suspension, an indefinite suspension with a one-year minimum, that is a banishment. That's not a suspension. He would have to reapply, which means that he gets walked out of the building basically that day, That if that's the ruling. Whereas with a suspension of six games or 12 games, he can still participate in practice and, and film and the preseason. Now, once the regular season rolls around, he's not allowed at the facility. But I think that's a, that's a distinct... That's a distinct difference, especially, John, like what if the what if the NFL now this would be something like what if the NFL announced the punishment while warmups were going on tomorrow night? <laughs> like they walk out and basically they basically have to take Deshaun's jersey off of him. Like as they're going through warmups in the NFL. I know they're not going to do that, but it's a hilarious visual. Like they make him disrobe at the middle of the field and he has to leave with just a little white towel protecting him. That's all like that's his punish. That's part of his punishment is just embarrassing him as he leaves the field. This is, I think it's a really interesting thing that he's going to be starting for them tomorrow. I do wonder if that makes the next 24 hours a little saucy for us here. I thought he was going to start it all along because they need to, yes, they need to get him playing time and get it while they can. If they brought him off the bench and said, well, we'll start in the next game, it's going to be over by then, definitely. The NFL likes to do news dumps on Friday, and Mike Florio made such a big deal out of that for weeks. I said, there's no way they're going to do the dump on Friday. And then Florio come back and say, ha-ha, I told you so. <laughs> so I don't expect it to be tomorrow night either yeah. for that very reason. But it's got to be coming soon. you got to be fair to the Browns. And I'm not talking about the Haslam's and the $230 million guaranteed that other teams are infuriated over. I'm talking about players who had nothing to do with it, their fans who've had nothing to do with it. Just get it over. But if they sue in federal court, it's not going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I and I don't know what their success is going to be at getting an injunction. That's an interesting wrinkle you brought up with Florio that even even taking it to court and try to get an injunction that the first six games is still totally valid. That that's that's interesting to me. All right. So last thing on this, you mentioned it. Um the Browns are reportedly they they are they have Jimmy Garoppolo on the radar right now. What do you think, John? What do you think the difference is between a Jimmy Garoppolo? Let's pretend Deshaun's gone for the season. What do you think the ceiling is for a Jacoby Brissett led Browns team and a Jimmy Garoppolo led Browns team? Like, what's the difference? Two wins, three wins? Like, what do you think the delta is between those two quarterbacks? First of all, we don't know that Garoppolo's totally healthy, and he might need time to get healthy, not to mention learning the system. So he might be acquired and not play right away. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Garoppolo, he needs to be a game manager. So does Jacoby Brissett. They got a great running game. They have a good defense, good offensive line, good enough receivers. So I think they would still be almost as good as any team in that division. Cincinnati's not great. The Ravens are not great. The Steelers are not great. They can stay in the race. And if they get Garoppolo, who's been to the Super Bowl in spite of himself, 
and he did it. So he's got the experience. They'd be much better off. It'd be a game of chicken. If he's on the roster of the 49ers, when the regular season begins is 24 millions guaranteed. Yeah. So they want to trade him. And so, you know, the Browns would not offer him a high pick, but they would also want the contract redone where like Baker Mayfield, where he took a pay cut, had a chance to make up the difference based on his playing time and the team's success. But it just makes so much more sense. You know, they don't want to trade Jimmy G to Seattle. You don't think they do. And I can't imagine why Seattle has not been interested. They what Seattle was interested in Watson. And early on in Watson's people said, thanks, but no thanks. He's just not interested in moving across the country. And that's why the teams that he did, he dealt with Carolina, uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, and then Cleveland, um, because of the monies where he went, even though they were first out, you know, he just didn't want to go across the country. And, and I don't blame him, but you think about, Seattle and Geno Smith or Drew Locke, it seems like Garoppolo would look better and better, but Cleveland just makes so much more sense. Yeah, it really does. It, it really does. That it feels like a it feels like just a a, a a Eastern time zone version of what he had in San Francisco, right down to the system, the talent around him, um, the running game, all those things. All right. So that that's that that's that on Deshaun Watson, and we'll see what happens here over the next 24, 48 hours, seven days, whatever it is. No indication really from the league as to uh, when a ruling is going to be made, or I should say from Peter Harvey, uh, who's hearing the appeal. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, John, let's shift gears over to the Texans then. First preseason game this Saturday, New Orleans Saints coming to town. No Jameis Winston for the New Orleans Saints. He's got that foot injury. I don't know that we would have seen him anyways, except for maybe a series or two, um, but he definitely won't play in this game. I've not heard anything from the Texan side of things as to who will and won't play. Although Lovey did mention by name, I don't really need to see Laramie Tunsil and what he can do. And I don't need to see Brandon cooks and what he can do. Those are the only two that he mentioned by name. And those are probably the only two he should mention by name when it comes to not taking reps in a game like this. So John, let's, let's, um, let's you and I play a little game here, a little thing that we'll do before each of these games, the utopia pregame six pack here, you and I can go back and forth. We'll each do three. Uh, just things that we're going to be looking for, things to watch out for in this game coming up on Saturday. And I'll let you do the honors. What's your first thing that you're going to be looking out for on Saturday? Most people would say 
Davis Mills, that if he plays a couple of series, but I'm saying Damian Pierce because Damian Pierce is the single most important rookie on this team, not Derek Stingley Jr., not Jalen Petrie, because if he gives them a running game that they have lacked since 2019, he can keep Petrie and Stingley on the bench, fresh, able to come off and be better instead of the defense go like last season, sit down, take a drink. Oops, we're back on the field because we can't run the ball. Now, Marlon Mack, I don't care about him, don't care about Rex Burkhead, but I've watched Pierce carefully, and he hasn't been able to run over people. He hasn't been able to take direct hits. Well, now he can. I want to see what Damian Pierce brings to the table. All right, that's a good one. Rookie running back, Damian Pierce. John, I will see your rookie, and I guess kind of raise you another rookie here in my first bullet point here in the uh, the pregame six-pack, which is the, the two rookies in the secondary. Now, I don't know that we're going to see Derek Stingley Jr. in this game. I don't know if that's been made clear as to what their, their plan is for him. I would be a little surprised if we saw him just based on the how how outwardly they're targeting week one for him to be out on the field. He's gotten plenty of work in practice. Um, but Jalen Petrie, we know, is, is, is going to get on the field. I love, John, the fact that they put out a depth chart where they actually had both of those guys listed as first string. There's none of this depth chart mind games that previous regimes have played. What you and I watched out there at practice is, is evident in the depth chart that they put out. So I'm really anxious. If Stingley plays great, but I'll just keep it to Petrie if I have to, uh, that Petrie might be one of the quickest studies that we've heard about as a rookie on this team ever. And they ask a lot of those safeties in that defense, um, and especially Jalen Petrie. I was really encouraged that um, it looks like Lovey's going to use him a lot like how he was used at Baylor. They seem to be moving him around quite a bit. He's making some plays in the backfield. We'll see when everybody's got their pads on. There's actual tackling going on. But I, I, I'm I'm – I'm with you on that sort of rookie front. You mentioned Damian Pierce. I mentioned Jalen Petrie with Derek Stingley sort of sitting in a sidecar right now, not sure how he's going to be used. And I know you're excited about Petrie too. I am, and I don't think Stingley's going to play based on the way they've used him. He's only been going full speed for about a week. Mm -hmm. Considering the surgery, that'd be really stupid to play him in the first game. And uh, it's not that he needs to keep up with stuff mentally because they say, Derek, See that receiver, cover that receiver. Mm -hmm. And in Petrie's case, and this is something we've talked about on 16 during the week, how many great players stay in college five years? Few. Very few. Very, very few. Yeah. And he did. So he is much more developmentally, and he played in a system in which it was a hybrid linebacker and safety where he played a lot around the line of scrimmage. Plus he's played deep. I believe it was like the third OTA. They moved him up to first team and they knew it because he's so smart. He's so instinctive. I said, when they drafted him, I thought by next season, he'd be a captain because I know so much about him and I'm really excited to see him play and how they use him. Sometimes in practice, he lines up deep. Sometimes he lines up close because he can handle everything they give him mentally because of all that experience. And the fact that he went from down, up, down, and up at Baylor. Yeah. He, he knows what it's like to lose. He knows what it takes to win. And I think he is a great addition to the secondary. Yeah, John, you know, it's funny. Like, the draft is crazy. Because remember when that 37th overall pick was coming up? I think most Texan fans watching at that moment were watching Brees Hall from Iowa State, the running back, sitting there. You know, he didn't get picked at 33. He didn't get picked at 34. And then the, it, I, the Jets, I think, jumped in front of the Texans. 
and took him right in front of the Texans. Do you think if Brees Hall was there at 37, that's who the Texans were going to be taking? He's the guy I wanted them to take because I had seen him play a lot in the Big 12, especially against Baylor. And who knows what Nick Casario would have done. When he was in New England, they didn't like to take backs high. Mm-hmm. That's why Damian Pierce is a fourth-round pick. Pick seems to be about where Casario and Bill Belichick used to yeah. draft running backs. You know, the highest they went usually was third round. So I don't think he would have used a two on all as much as I wanted to see him. But I tell you what. Pierce can make a lot of people excited about him, himself, and the offensive rookie of the year because I think he'll have a thousand yards or more. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so you have Damian Pierce is your first thing to watch for. I went with Jalen Petrie. John, it's your turn. We kick it back over to you, the pregame six-pack. What's your second thing to watch out for? Well, let's go back to the depth in the offensive line in the, in the depth chart and the starters. I noticed Justin McCray was listed as a starter. And I'm like, whoa. Now, we know Kenyon Green's not going to play. He's hurt. We don't know how bad. Seemed like he was out of shape. And they drafted him for him to be the starter. I think now he's so far behind. Unless he were to come back next week, he's not going to be starting the opening game. So Max Sharping, who started there last year, has been running first team. And all of a sudden on the depth chart, they put McCray up there. And I'm like, well, he's not the starter. And then at practice the next day, he's there. He was also working with the third team. So I'm guessing against the Saints, we're going to see Justin McCray, which means if they started Tunsil and he's not going to play, they would have the same starters as last season. Mm. And that's not good unless the new line coach, George Warhop, is a miracle worker. So I want to see who they have in the offensive line. Charlie Hag's going to be the swing tackle. If Sharping's on the team and McRae's going to be on the team because he can play center behind Kenyon Green, they're not going to have a lot of decisions to make. And I wonder if Max Sharping is in danger of making his team the fact that he can't hold down the first-string job with Kenyon Green out. So I want to see the line, especially – now, I don't care about the pass protection. I want to know about the run blocking because they haven't improved in the interior. They're going to be spinning their wheels over the running game again. John, if if Max Sharping doesn't make this team, this team will basically have one player left from draft classes going like from from every draft class pre twenty twenty. They'll have one guy left on the team, and it's Titus Howard, who's you know going into his fifth year next year. And even with as they don't have many numbers anyways with the 2020 draft class, they're down to Charlie Heck and John Grenard and Ross Blacklock. So, uh, you know, Max, look, you know, Max Sharping has not turned out to be at the level that we thought he might be when he was starting as a rookie back in 2019. It has not worked out for Max Sharping that way, but it's just it just goes, John, it really just illustrates the degree to which. Nick Casario has had to rebuild this thing. Like there, there weren't, there weren't any pieces here barely when he got here, you know, like he's, he's not stepping into a roster 
that was failing because it was young and it had a bad quarterback or whatever. He stepped into a situation where the franchise quarterback wanted out and there was almost no young pieces here. It's just, it's, it's just wild to look at. And then not having two ones and a two yeah, uh, in back-to-back years. It's kind of like what's happened to the Astros being penalized. Their ones and their twos. Yep. Just a good indication of how Casario knew it was going to be in his first time as a GM. He insisted on a six-year contract. That's unusual. Not, not, um, it's not, it's rare. Yeah. It's, and uh, no, they gave six-year deals and stuff. But he knew it would be a massive And everybody bought in. One reason everybody fans and media is they understood against it didn't have any illusions of grandeur with this operation and i think that's great for the future because right now last year's class looks good this year's class has a chance to look real good if they could get guys like Kenyon green and christian harris healthy all right so that's your your second one there is the uh, interior of the offensive line specifically uh justin mccray um i'll go with my second one here in the utopia pregame six pack i'll go on the other side and we just got done talking about previous draft classes and whatnot. I'm I'm going to be watching Ross Blacklock, John. <clears throat> you know, he's another one that Nick Casario doesn't have any emotional tie to. I don't know that Nick Casario has an emotional tie to anything football-wise. I don't know if I've ever seen a person able to kind of be able to divorce themselves of emotion when it comes to picks and the ability to stay even keel and just up. You know, there's no ups and downs, it seems like, at least outwardly with Nick Casario. But even more so, there's no... There's no emotional investment, and that was my guy. Similar to Max Sharping. He didn't draft Max Sharping. He didn't draft Ross Blacklock either. I think Ross Blacklock, from the standpoint of he's underperformed his first couple of years, he is the one remaining piece from the DeAndre Hopkins trade. That's an easy thing for fans to kind of grab onto when it comes to the emotion of that particular player. He's another one who's from here locally who I think people, you know, there's a lot of people that are rooting for him here. Um, he's been running with the twos at camp. He's not a first stringer right now, even though he was the 40th overall pick just a couple of years ago. I, I think with the numbers on the defensive line, I, you know, I don't know how much danger he is in not making the team, but, um, but he certainly needs to have a, a good camp to solidify his spot in the rotation. So he's, he's one that I'll be watching who I think my guess is gets significant playing time on, uh, on Saturday night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lonnie Johnson, second-round pick, gone. Max Sharping, second-round pick, could be gone. Ross Blacklock, second-round pick, could be gone. Everybody likes Blacklock, and they're hoping that he will pull through. But he doesn't play. um, He's not going to play ahead of Malik Collins. Mm -hmm. And Roy Lopez plays on the nose in a four-man front, and that's not what he does. So, at best, he's going to be a guy come off the bench. Well, they – they sign guys to come off the bench. Jerry Hughes is the new right end. So it's, it's boy, there's a lot of depth. You know, maybe he'd go on a practice squad. Maybe he'd want to try to go somewhere else and find a system that was more conducive to what he does. But right now, 
Blacklock's been a big disappointment. And when you think of how he got here through the Hopkins trade, it makes it even worse. Yep. All right. I, all right. I'm going to jump back over. Have we done? This is our third one. This right? is your third one, John. Fire away. Right. I'm going to jump back to the other side of the ball, Sean. Mm-hmm. All those wide receivers we've seen making great catches in camp, starting with Nico Collins and receivers like uh, Jalen Camp. Chris Moore and, and uh, Philip Dorsett have looked good in the slot. They got a guy named Connor Weddington. He's He's got to go on the practice squad, but he's been impressive. Jalen Camp started well. We don't need to see Brandon Cooks, but we do need to see the other guys. My personal favorite for reasons that have nothing to do with football, Chris Conley, he's got to be on the team because he's such a great interview who breaks down a game better than any player I have ever seen when he walks in the media room. I wish he started. I wish he caught 80 balls like Brandon Cooks so we could get him in every week because he is just so insightful. Yeah, about a play, about an offense, about a game, not negative, not controversial. He would make a great TV or radio analyst. And I tell you what, uh, Andre Ware better beware. (laughs) Chris Conley's coming for you. Well, hey, Jonathan Joseph is going to be doing some work on the Texans broadcast this preseason. He's going to be jumping in in the third quarter of some of these games, too. He's been a fixture out of camp. Of course, the former uh, Pro Bowl cornerback for the Texans, best free agency signing in the history of the team. Back to Conley, John. That's an interesting one. First of all, Conley's had a good camp. You know, for all the talk of what a great interview he is, and I agree with you on that, he's played really well in the seven on seven and 11 on 11 drills. He's made a lot of plays. So, I I mean, I think he's going to be on the team. It's crazy to think like Conley is a guy like you look at him, you just look at him, forget about what, you know, pretend you never heard him utter a word in his life. And you look at him, you go, that guy should be catching 80 ball. That like that guy should be 80 catches, 1200 yards, and nine touchdowns. Like, like that's, he just, he looks the part. And it's crazy that a guy who looks like he has that much physical ability, who's such a smart dude, hasn't been able to get it all put together. You know what I mean? Like, it's just he he makes plays here and there, but he just looks like somebody who should be making a whole lot more plays. But he's making plays in camp so far. But uh, do you agree with that assessment? Oh, yeah. And he, but it could be the quarterbacks he's played with. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was in Kansas City and he had Alex Smith, but Jacksonville, I hear Davis Mills was struggling. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was injured and then struggles. Maybe he will be better this season. I left a guy out, Sean, yeah. uh, Chad Beebe, a four-year veteran. Yeah. He has looked really good. And He's sometimes good. guys like Beebe and Conley, who've been in the league a while, they should be good at training camp because they know what the coaches want as compared to some of these young guys who are still trying to figure it out. Yep. All right, John, my last one. I'm going totally selfish here, but I feel like if it's a preseason game uh, that Kurt Heinish, you, you got it, buddy. You got it. Like if John, if it's a, and I'm and I'm hiding behind the veil of, hey, it's a preseason game. So I need to give you an undrafted guy to look out for. But, and it's partially that. But I'm also uh, a homer when it comes to Notre Dame guys, as you know. And I'm not doing this isn't just gratuitous, though. This isn't just me picking some Notre Dame undrafted guy who's been struggling to get on with the four stringers in camp. John, he might make this team. He's running with the twos right now. He's shown up really well. He's, you know, Lovey Smith has made some nice comments about him. Um, he's played on some of the special teams as well, like some of the first special teams units. Um, I know you and I just got done saying that that was a position 
that there's a lot of numbers on the defensive line. I don't want to say it's a deep position because that would imply that it's the numbers are all a bunch of really good players. There's some older guys on there that are going to rush the passer. There's some underachievers on there like Ross Blacklock. You know, Malik Collins did some good things last year. He's one of the better players on that defensive line. Um, but Heinish, Heinish has a body type and can kind of fill a role that is – that if you look at these defensive linemen, there aren't many guys that look like him, you know, his size and, and he gets pretty good push for a guy, his size. I think he's underrated athletically, even though he looks like he's just got done brawling with three guys at a bar, got his big beer belly and whatnot. But yes, number 69, Kurt Heinish, John, I want I feel like I need to give the people somebody that they can watch in the second half of this game and get emotionally invested in. That's my guy right there. Do you know the words, John? Do you know the words to the Notre Dame fans? Give a cheer for old Notre Dame. Close enough. I'll take it. That is, what is it? Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Wake up the echoes cheering her name. Send a volley cheer on high. Shake down the thunder from the sky. What though the odds be great or small, old Notre Dame will win overall while her loyal sons go marching onward to victory. However, however, John, it's 2022, so of course Notre Dame has now changed the lyrics to say, "While her loyal sons and daughters march onward Jeez. to victory." I'll tell you a great story. Uh, Peyton Manning's older brother Cooper mm -hmm. wanted Peyton to visit Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Peyton wasn't going to Notre Dame, but for Cooper, he did. And so they, in the middle of the night, left wherever they were staying, and they got a football and they climbed a fence. And they went up and down the field, providing crowd noise and commentary till Peyton threw Cooper a touchdown in front of touchdown Jesus and security caught them. And when they found out who they were, what they were doing, they let them go. I would imagine they let him go. So that's how that happened. Because that, John, that was in like 1993 or 94. It was, I think it was 94 because Peyton, Peyton got drafted in 98. So, yeah, it was probably like a 93, 94 ish, somewhere in there. And I remember hearing that he visited Notre Dame. So that was just a big tease because, boy, I was sure excited for the next week after that <laughs> when I heard Peyton Manning was visiting Notre Dame. When I did a big story on Peyton and his family in, in training camp of 98, Archie told me that story. And I think he said Cooper called him and told him they were in jail. And Archie got all upset. And then he told him he was kidding. They treated him great. But can you imagine if anybody had a video of the Mannings at oh. their bar and, and providing on crowd noise at Notre Dame and then oh. touchdown Cooper Manning. Oh, that is tremendous. That is tremendous. Well, we know how that story ended, and Notre Dame was zero part of it, unfortunately. <laughs> they could, hey, they could have used it. He might have extended Lou Holtz's career another five years, John. If he, and by the way, you know who verbally committed to Notre Dame the year after that, who ended up Ooh. not going to school there? Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Mm was a Notre Dame commitment, but then he got into trouble at his school. He got into a fight or something. And, um, and so he, you know, he, they, he had his scholarship offer withdrew, withdrawn, but Lou Holtz really liked him personally. So he said, well, why don't you, Hey, listen, son, you can't come to Notre Dame anymore because you're getting into all these fights and you're smoking weed and you're doing all these things. But I got someone who might take his name is Bobby Bowden. <laughs> Why don't you go to Florida State? They do plenty of that stuff there. And true story, Holt said, you should take this. Mo I, not like he was an unknown. He was the number one player in the country. But Randy Moss then committed to Florida State, got into more trouble, and that's how he wound up at Marshall. 
and the rest is history. But can you imagine Peyton Manning and Randy Moss on the same college team? Wow. Underneath, underneath, the, wow. underneath the watchful eye of one touchdown Jesus and the lady on the dome. <laughs> we would have the lady on the dome watching a touchdown. Jesus, you would be fine, Randy. You would stop smoking the hoochie coo. <laughs> you do a great imitation of him. <laughs> I had plenty of practice. Uh, all right. Um, the uh, Utopia Football Podcast. I guess, John, just in um, in wrapping up here, uh, there's some other interesting – we'll hit these quick, but quick storylines from some of the other preseason stuff going on this weekend. Um, Tom Brady – Tom Brady's kind of tied into the two that I wanted to hit with you, actually. Brady leaving Tampa Bay camp, which sounds like – the headline looks bigger than the story actually is, but I want to get your thoughts on that. And then – Brady is sort of tangentially tied to the whole Tua thing as well because Tua is in severe denial that they were tampering with Brady after they drafted him, which, as we found out from all the investigation findings with the Dolphins, that, oh, no, they were tampering with Brady last year in 2021. First of all, your thoughts on Brady leaving Tampa Bay camp. He's not coming back till after the August 20th football game. There's all kind of speculation, and I, I don't like to speculate because his mother has cancer. Yeah. And uh, so you never know if surgery is involved. They, Jason, like the GM said, he told him before camp this was going to happen. There's speculation. He just wanted a vacation as part of his coming out of retirement. You know, the first thing I thought of was health reasons. I don't think we're going to see him on a yacht uh, hanging out with Dan Snyder in uh, Europe. But I hope it's not help for some family member and something that needs to be done. As far as Tua, sure, he's tired of talking about it. He just say, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. There's nothing I can do about it. But obviously, the owner didn't want him. The owner didn't want his head coach last year. He didn't want his head coach this year. And you know he would much rather have Justin Herbert, who they passed up. Oh. And I'd like to know whose decision that was. I'm guessing it was general manager Chris Greer. And he will never ever live that down no i mean especially if herbert finally i say puts it all together he's been fine the last couple of years but boy the chargers if they put it together you know they made all their things got jc jackson and khalil mack this offseason to upgrade the defense yeah if justin herbert goes on to uh, to get to a super bowl that'll be a tough one for the dolphins to live down and, and we didn't even mention like yeah and they were also flirting with deshaun watson at the trade deadline too like hey tua there have been multiple yes. guys they've tried to replace you with the tyreek hill loves him most accurate quarterback in the nfl yep yeah, that's right according to according to the tyreek hill advanced analytics which is tyreek hill you know practicing. he's watched a lot of tape oh yeah oh yeah all right so there it is uh the utopia football podcast hold on i got one more okay would you take this year Davis Mills going nine and eight, throwing 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a rating of 94.6? 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, nine and eight record. I know, you know what? I think I know exactly where you're going with this. Are those Carson Wentz's numbers from last year? They are, and it got him a ticket out of town. Everybody's blasting him. Ron Rivera is defending him. Yep. It wasn't his stats that got him out of town. It had to have been his personality, and it couldn't have just been the Jacksonville game because they had to get rid of most of their team. So I'm eager to see if Ron Rivera coming out and supporting him is just for his confidence because reports out of Washington have not been good in camp. No, they, they've not. I mean, but, John, I mean, you look at the list of guys that have started games for them since Kirk Cousins left. It's like a dozen guys. None of it's good. And it's 
I, I, you know, like I, I roll my eyes at what Rivera said, like that all the narratives, quote narratives from Philadelphia and Indianapolis are unfair to Carson Wentz. And I just feel like saying, okay, wake me up in week 14 and let me see if you're saying the same thing about him. Then he's got to love the one he's with, I guess for now, John, but it's uh, you're right. It's that's got some serious, both Miami and Washington are two teams that I think aspire to be like fringe playoff teams. You know, I, I think they both like Miami. I think deep down knows they're not better than Buffalo. And I think Washington knows they're not better than Dallas in their division. But I think if you're asking them, like, what, what's the ceiling for what we could do? I think they both think they could win nine or 10 games this year if they get the right Carson Wentz. I think both of those have the potential to also be teams that finish last in their division, too. Like, there's a good chance. There, there's not a good chance. There's a decent chance Washington is worse than the New York Giants this year. They're both they're not great teams. And I think if the Jets, if the Jets, all those weapons they got in the draft and Zach Wilson figures a few things out and Miami, all the drama that's swirling around them starts to swirl too hard during the year. I, I think those are two really interesting potential implosions to look out for. And they both have owners that are horrible. That's another thing. It probably starts at the top, right? Yeah, and keep this in mind. When the when the commanders open a season, it's the Ron Rivera's third, and Wentz will be a seventh different starting quarterback in two seasons and one game. That's a, that's just crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I'm glad you brought that up, John. Good stuff. All right. We, uh, we are out of time. Uh, you can, uh, of course, hear me on with Seth Payne, 6 to 10 a.m. We're back to 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, every day of the week, other than Mondays during the season, 6 to 8 a.m. And, John, you are, of course, on Sports Radio 610 frequently throughout the week with me and Seth on Wednesdays with uh, the morning show on – or I'm sorry, the midday show, John and Landry in the loop on Tuesdays. And then you are with the afternoon guys, Clint Sterner and the show on Fridays. And if you're listening to this podcast on Friday morning, get out to Big City Wings – Friday afternoon in Cinco Ranch, and they can see you in person out there, right? We're going to have a big time, and I'm on twice a week on Texans Radio. Sean, thank you very much. It's always a lot of fun. Yep, I always enjoy it with you, John. Good stuff. Uh, When we are next with you on this podcast, it'll be early next week. We'll give you our thoughts, our observations from the first preseason game. Start to look ahead. It's a short week next week because the game against the Rams in L.A. is on a Friday, so that'll be a busy week for us here on the podcast next week as well. Download the podcast everywhere that you get your podcast. Odyssey.com is a good place to go to get that. Uh, but you can get it anywhere you download your podcast. Subscribe is the big thing. We like when we get those downloads from you guys as well. Uh, until then, I'm Sean Pendergast. He's John McClain, and we are out of time. We will see you on the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Everybody.